This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is the Tuesday night of Iron Bowl Week 2019. Time once again for Tide Talk on a Tuesday night. Travis Ryer joined as always by Charlie Potter, does an outstanding job covering the Alabama Crimson Tide for BOL. Uh, we had the college football playoff rankings earlier in the evening. And as I bring Charlie on, Charlie, are you ready to unload on this selection committee? I mean, did they anger you with these latest rankings? It's amazing, man, what social media does in the wake of these rankings each and every week. And I guess that's got to be a big part of the intended goal, right? This television show gets so many people fired up. Are you fired up, Charlie? I'm not that fired up, not yet. <laughs> um, we'll see what happens, you know, come Selection Sunday, whenever, you know, if, if Alabama does indeed, you know, win this weekend's game and has a position to get in the playoff, if they sit there and drag it out for, you know, 30 minutes or however long it takes, that's that's what gets my blood blown is just the the, the, the length that they yeah the, the length that they talk about it. I mean, I know that's the point, and it does. You're right. I mean, it, it creates a lot of discussion. Um, you know, there was some intrigue this week. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into the rankings. Not much really changed. Uh, you expect Oregon to drop, but there was some change at the top that didn't really involve Alabama. That was interesting. So yeah, I mean, I, I think the goal of this is to one, get the four best teams in the um, in the playoff, but two, to create a lot of discussion in a sport that already has a, a lot of that anyway. Why don't I appreciate the Big Ten as much as the college football playoff selection committee obviously does? I mean, I get it. Ohio State is that damn good. I get it. You know, and if you want to move Ohio State back to one or two number one uh, after a win over Penn State at home, in which it kind of struggled against Penn State's backup quarterback down the stretch of that game, okay. But you know, I, I don't. But the problem with that is I don't buy that Penn State's really a good team. I, I don't buy that Minnesota is really a great team, not a top uh, ten team in my opinion. Um, you know, uh, Wisconsin in the top twelve or so. Uh, man, there seems to be a lot of love for the Big Ten this year. I, I like I said, I understand it at the very top. No, it's kind of like the ACC, although I would say the Big Ten a much better conference top to bottom than the ACC, but I, I buy Clemson as a great team at the top of the ACC. I don't buy anybody else in that league. I think that beyond Ohio State, there are some really good teams in the Big Ten, uh, but it just seems like the, uh, the 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 Big Ten love exceeds even that for the SEC this year. It really has, and, and they are, it is a, it's a top-heavy league, uh, I think. No one really questions Ohio State. I think they've been the most complete football team all season long, and that was something that the the committee and, and chairman um, and Rob Mullins talked about tonight is how they are a complete team. They have that complete body of work where they're uh, really explosive on offense and defense, and that's why they were moved to number one this week. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think what LSU has been able to do and uh, what has consistently been you know, the country's best conference, you know, going on the road and beating an Alabama team deserves to be number one. Um, and then the, the, the games they already have on their schedule, whether it's 
Uh, I know Texas isn't looking that great right now, but wins over you know Florida and Auburn. They're going to be playing Georgia in the SEC championship game. But uh, they are you know holding a lot of merit to the, the Big Ten. I think they have six teams in the top 20. You just look at the rest of the top 10. Minnesota's yeah. kind of sitting there uh, in the weeds at, at number eight. Penn State dropped to number 10. They're not completely out of the top 10. Uh, you know, Wisconsin and Michigan are in the top 15. Uh, I think they had Iowa in the top 20. So, yeah, there's a lot of love there. Um, a lot of those teams kind of cannibalize themselves at the end of the year. It seems to be the case uh, each and every season. So I think that'll take care of itself. But, um, yeah, they, they do have a lot of love for the Buckeyes and the teams that they're playing. And I think it's interesting to see that the Minnesota is still hanging out in the, the top 10. And you know, a lot of those teams, four through nine, are are going to be interesting for, for Alabama's case because, um, you know, Rob Mullins talked on the conference call tonight that uh, how there's a lot of discussion about four through six, but also four through nine. So yeah. those teams right there in the mix, including Minnesota, are going to be a part of it down the stretch. Well, and what about the jump by Baylor into the top ten? You know, this was a team that was undefeated a couple weeks ago and was ranked behind two two lost teams from the SEC. And suddenly the Bears uh, make a big move. It, that kind of reeked of watch out for Oklahoma here down the stretch because OU gets Oklahoma State this weekend and then perhaps another shot at Baylor in the Big 12 championship game. It almost had the feeling of setting up a game to be uh, very important to Oklahoma's chances of being that fourth team um, as well. But uh, college football idol, nothing fires them up on Tuesday nights, right? Like the college football playoff rankings reveal on a weekly basis. And you said it earlier, uh, what this really comes down to, what this starts with for Alabama is the road trip to Auburn on Saturday. And so, you know, you could talk about scenarios for next Tuesday or the Sunday after the conference championship game. You know, I'm cynical. I think we all know that at this point. Um, So I, I, I say that, to say that um, I don't think this college football playoff selection committee would mind Alabama losing too much on Saturday. It would take the, uh, take those folks off the hook a pretty good bit, right? Yeah. I mean, they've, the way they've positioned things, uh, you have Utah at number six, you, you would think that potentially if they beat an Oregon team in the, in the PAC 12 championship, that they might jump them over Alabama. Uh, that's of course with Georgia losing to, to LSU in the SEC title game. Um, and then if, if that doesn't happen, say if Oregon beats Utah, which I think is completely possible, you have Oklahoma sitting there at number seven. And if they beat a Baylor team that's also ranked in the top ten, um, you know, that opportunity is there for them to jump Alabama. So I think they've they've kind of had – Reese Davis has, has said all along, he's kind of been um, – very adamant about his stance that Alabama is sitting there as a placeholder. Um, but I do think that if Alabama goes into Jordan Hare and wins in convincing fashion with Mac Jones as their quarterback, I, I don't know how you can keep a one loss Alabama team out of the playoff. I mean, they've been hit with injury after injury after injury this season. And then you have Auburn, who's the top 15 team. If they go in and win that game, I think they, they should be deserving. And that's, that's first and foremost on Alabama's plate, and if, if that doesn't happen, then yeah, it completely takes them out of the equation. And it seems like with what they've been setting up with the rankings here lately, especially this week, that yeah, I mean, I agree that if if Alabama were to lose, then they you know don't have to sweat that much. They can put in just the next best conference champion. It comes down to probably Oklahoma or, or Utah, and that's an easier um, you know debate to have in that room. Yeah, and don't kid yourself either. I think a lot of the uh, the country 
wouldn't mind seeing that happen on Saturday. That's why, you know, we can talk about the things that factor into this selection process, but eyeballs on television seat uh, sets, eyeballs on uh, smartphones, iPads, wherever people, fans consume their college football, uh, that makes Alabama a very viable candidate as well. And uh, because of that, yeah, I think the number – the TV number for Saturday afternoon at Auburn will be very, very big for just a just a game between a number five and a number 15. That's all it is, you know, number five and number 15 at Jordan-Hare Stadium. So, Charlie, let's talk about the game itself, where Alabama is at as it moves two days into the practice week. Uh, you've heard from Nick Saban. You've heard from players each of the first two days of the week. Uh, we've been out to media viewing periods. Based on the injury situation going into Western Carolina last Saturday and where this team is heading into that all-important Wednesday practice, uh, would you say that the, the situation's better than maybe you thought it would have been uh, going into the week? Is it about what you thought it would have been? Maybe it's worse. It's probably about where I thought it would be. Um, and I think that – you know, two of the three defensive linemen that have been banged up the last couple of weeks, being Raekwon Davis, DJ Dell, and, and Fadarian Mathis, I thought if you get two of those three guys healthy at least, then you're in a lot better shape than you were. And um, you know, right now, Raekwon Davis was at the front of um, all the, the individual drills that we were watching on Tuesday, and, and he was moving around really well. And he's a guy that was carted off the field at Mississippi State with a, a sprained ankle. And um, you know, for if you were to go out there and just do the eyeball test and say which one of these guys is banged up, you wouldn't have picked number 99. So he was moving around pretty well. Um, you know, he's a guy that you know, Nick Saban said was day to day, along with DJ Dale. And and DJ Dale is probably moving the the, the slowest out of the three. Um, you know, he looked to be doing some things, working on the sled a little bit, but I would limit him on, or label him as almost somewhat limited just in, in the, the, the short period of time we were out there. And Fidea Mathis is probably somewhere in the middle of that. So I think with a, a defensive line that's only had seven scholarship players last week, you know, to get your uh, most experienced player back looking pretty healthy and then, you know, two of the other three on the way, I think that's pretty good. And then, you know, the other guy that, was on the injury report last week, Henry Ruggs. Um, you know, he's been moving around really well. Uh, he's dealing with some bruised ribs, and that's kind of tough as a guy that you know runs across the middle and puts his body on the line for an offense. But he's had kind of a, a protective rib cage around him, and that's to be expected, kind of like that quarterback jacket you see on all the QBs out there. And uh, he's he's moved around well. He's been at the front of his receiver line as usual. It's kind of been business as usual. So with those guys, I think it's um, you know it's it's about what you would expect. Um, I wouldn't. I didn't. You know, come into this week expecting all of them to just be sprinting around on day one. I think they're going to take it kind of easy with them. But uh, you know, tomorrow I would. I would imagine that Raekwon's still doing a, a good amount. Um, maybe if I dare, Mathis is doing a little more, and maybe DJ Dell does as well. It's good to see all of them out there though, participating and going through drills because um, you know Tuesday is kind of the precursor to Wednesday, and they tend to do more uh, on that day. So it, it's shaping up to be um, you know a good deal for Alabama from the injury standpoint. Of Rugs, Davis, and Dale, not that Mathis isn't important, but he's been more of a a death provider. You know, we're talking about three starters in Rugs, Davis, and Dale. How would you rank those three in terms of importance in, as far as the contribution uh, that they could make Saturday and that really Alabama's going to need those guys to make? 
That's tough because I think they're all important. Um, you know, whenever you're having a, a guy that's making his first true start on the road at quarterback and Mac Jones, you want to have all hands on deck for him to be able to distribute the football to. But I think guys like Devontae Smith, Jerry Judy, Jalen Waddle, they can get the job done. I, I don't think, you know, I, I think Ruggs is going to play. I'm not saying that by any stretch, but I think with, you know, what the defense has just in terms of inexperience up front, um, and I think with the offense that Auburn fields, one that runs the ball more often than not and has a mobile quarterback, I think, you know, Davis and Dale are kind of 1A, 1B, just because, you know, DJ Dale's a guy that can eat some space in the middle. Um, you know, Raekwon, I know he hasn't been the most productive from a pass rushing standpoint this year, but you know, he gives you a, a more experienced player up there than some of the younger guys. So I think the defensive linemen um, are probably more important. Uh, I'm not knocking Henry Ruggs by any means, but yeah. – we just saw Alabama play, um, you know, four true freshmen against Western Carolina. So to have some experience or three true freshmen uh, against Western Carolina, so to have um, some experience up there, I think that'll be uh, really big. You know, I agree with you, and I and I love Henry Ruggs III. I know you do, too. In terms of just all-around football players on this team, I've talked about it. You know it, it, it is, as well. Not a guy that just does it at wide receiver and the way he does it at wide receiver, very tough physical player for a guy who isn't of Julio Jones's stature. You know, he's not a little guy, but he's not six, two, six, three, 220 pounds. Then you see him covering punts. Then you see him on kickoff coverage. Um, I think he's, he's one of those guys too, intangibly Charlie that epitomizes toughness that you don't typically equate with a skill player, you know? No, and that's kind of really the, the the mo of that entire receiver room. They're not the biggest guys in the world. Um, you know, I don't think it, it would be. I would be shocked if any of them weigh more than two hundred pounds. I think Rugs might come the closest, but um, you know, they're physical uh, in not only just their route running and um, you know being able to pick up yards after the catch. They're very good at that, but just in what they do from a blocking perspective, uh, we see a lot of screen passes to these receivers. And we've seen a lot with Mac Jones behind quarterback. And the reason they're so successful is, one, yes, the, the playmakers he, he's throwing to uh, have explosive playmaking ability, but it's because of the guys on the outside throwing blocks. And Henry Ruggs is very good at that. Devontae Smith is very good at that. And they're not the, the biggest guys in the world. I think that kind of approach, that mindset is, is kind of uh, apparent throughout the entire receiver room. And I think that's what makes this group, um, you know, what it is. I know they're they're very special with the ball in their hands, but what they do for each other, just for opening up lanes and things like that, and their willingness to play on special teams. I mean, I know you know Jalen Waddle's a star as a punt returner, but you know Smitty and, and Ruggs are out there as gunners or you know covering kicks, and I think that's what makes them all around good players. You've heard from a couple of those guys this week. Do you get the sense that they're expecting Auburn to really come up and challenge them? Uh, in some press coverage and some man-to-man looks that they typically don't see, or at least they don't consistently see from teams other than, say, LSU and and maybe a couple of others. Maybe more, maybe even more so because of the quarterback situation. Have you have you gotten a feeling either way from Alabama's receivers this week uh, when it when it comes to the to the approach perhaps that Auburn will go with? Yeah, uh, Devontae Smith actually talked about that. Um, you know, he's – I put up a story before practice to just how um, physical he is, you know, after the game Saturday, um, you know, another game where he had two touchdowns. You know, Nick Saban talked about how, um, you know, he's a guy that even though he's 
thin built. Um, you know, he's he's not really frail. He doesn't play frail. He doesn't play weak or anything like that. But he's a very strong player, and it's a combination of his quickness and explosive speed and competitiveness that is that brand of physicality he brings to the table. And that's kind of the the theme of the story. And with talking to him, you know, he talked a lot about that, of how that's kind of been his MO and growing up. But it kind of went into that um, discussion of, of Auburn's receivers. And, and Smitty's not the, the most talkative guy, but, you know, he, he talked about how the, the defensive backs for Auburn are, are real long. They're physical at the line of scrimmage. So the big point of emphasis for them is working on their releases this weekend to try to be more physical with them at the line. And you know, like we just said, that I don't think that's going to be taking too much for these receivers. They're kind of that way uh, every play. So, um, you know, it just takes – this is these are Smitty's words. It, it takes the will to do it, just wanting to do it, to be able to to get off of those uh, press and the, and to get a free release and to, to get open. So, yeah, I think that's something they're expecting. Um, you know, I don't think Auburn secondary is necessarily the strength of that defense. I think everybody knows it's the defensive front seven. Uh, so it's going to be really important for those guys to get open and and um, you know give. Mac Jones an opportunity to get rid of the ball quickly and not face that pressure as often. And, um, you know, Auburn's defense from a passing perspective ranks about the middle of the pack of the SEC. They've had a couple of 300 yard passing games and a couple 100 yard receivers. So I think if that offensive line can, can buy uh, Mac Jones some time back there, I think these guys can get open against these receivers if they get that free release from the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And maybe, I don't know. Perhaps it won't be, but, you know, not seeing one of these receivers for Alabama, specifically Devontae Smith or Jerry Judy, the reigning uh, winner of this this award we're about to talk about, uh, not on that list of finalists for the Blitnikoff Award. Not that these guys need extra motivation. They always seem to have plenty of juice, regardless of who the opponent, the situation. Uh, You think Auburn may see even a little bit more of what Jerry Judy and Devontae Smith have uh, after this, this last week of, of Alabama being shut out at the, the college football uh, awards. And you now it's interesting, right? Because Alabama's got essentially two 1000 yard receivers. Judy's just about there. He's a little bit under a thousand. Smitty is over a thousand. Um, we, we've heard narratives both ways. We've heard that Tua is a, a quarterback for all time. We've heard that it's these receivers that really make the whole thing go. And then here we are when it all shakes out at the end of the regular season, Alabama doesn't have any of those guys representing the program in these, in these awards at the, the finalist stage. Yeah, I was really shocked by that. Um, I thought that the Devonte would at least be a finalist for the, the Blitnikoff and, uh, you, you look at some of the guys that um, were finalists. I, I thought Jamar Chase should have definitely been there, and I think he's the guy that should win the award. I think he has 15 touchdowns this year. He's just been unreal. Uh, and I get maybe C.D. Lamb, but I don't see how you, you don't um, have a guy like Devontae Smith there just because he's over 1,000 yards. He has 13 touchdowns. He's been incredible this season. He has two uh, games of, of 200 yards or more. And, um, and, and I think – I think you and I have talked about this. One of the things that maybe hurts Alabama is because they have so many good receivers. I know, you know, that's kind of uh, – it's a little weird to say given what LSU also feels, but I think Jamar Chase has just been that guy this year. But, um, yeah, I, I was really shocked by that. And I do think that will serve as some motivation. I think it will serve as some motivation for – uh, a couple of guys. I thought Xavier McKinney could have been on that Thorpe, um, you know, finalist group. You look at some of the guys that were there. You know, Grant Delpit's dealt with 
injuries all year long. I don't even know if he's the best player in that LSU secondary. I think Stingley's probably oh. that guy. So um, when you look at the, the numbers that X has been able to put up from a tackling standpoint, um, from just interceptions and what he's been able to do, you know, just wreaking havoc, um, I think he's deserving. And another one, uh, it wasn't a finalist group, but today the, the Broyles Award was announced. They, they announced their semifinalists. I think they had, you know, I don't remember the numbers somewhere you know, between 10 or 15 or 16 and, and Steve Sarkeesian wasn't there. And the, do you think the guy calling the plays for the receivers that weren't finalists for the Blinnikoff award might be motivated to, to show some people up and to show that they deserve to be on there against an Auburn team that everybody's talking about their defense this week? Sark, I would think at this point is just uh, in the market for a big W as the offensive coordinator at the university of Alabama. As we recall, he stepped in for the one game, in the national championship down in Tampa and Alabama lost that game this year, uh, dropped the game against LSU, uh, the, the latest game of the century. So I, I think Sark just a W on Saturday would, uh, would be plenty for him at this point. And, and, and I think he's done a really good job, but again, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with two and the receivers, you know, it's like a, uh, devil's triangle, I guess you could call it. Um, because apparently, you know, they, they all three sort of canceled each other out, I guess, in terms of credit and uh, acknowledgement of, of what they've accomplished this year as a collective unit, especially uh, in the passing game. Uh, Charlie, quarterback play, obviously going to be under the microscope on Saturday afternoon. Bo Nix hasn't been the most consistent guy in the world as a true freshman. Some of that you expect from a first-year player who is starting in not only the Southeastern Conference, but the SEC Western Division, and he's also going against cross-divisional opponents like Florida and Georgia. So it, it's not to throw him under the bus too much at this point in his Auburn career. But, uh, wow, you, you talk about a big, big moment for Mac Jones, not only in terms of uh, the immediate prospects for this Alabama team, but perhaps far-reaching, extending into 2020, perhaps for for Mac Jones. What 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 are you going to have your eye on with Mac? Is it is it going to be early in the game to see how he kind of holds things together? Is it going to be, uh, you know, can he make the throws? You know, what 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 do you think are the the one or two key bullet points for Mac Jones on Saturday? I think for me, um, I, I think he's going to face some pressure. Um, you know, this defensive front for Auburn is is the best Alabama has faced this year. Nick Saban said as much on Mondays. So when he does maybe get a uh, sack or you know is forced into a bad throw, how does he respond? Um, you know, Mac is a guy that we've talked about all season long about how he's a more confident player. Uh, he's more comfortable. He's been very efficient in his two starts, albeit those have been against Arkansas and Western Carolina. Um, you know, how does he respond to adversity? Uh, he's a guy that. Um, we, I think we've probably talked about it on this podcast because it's one of my favorite quotes of the year is when Nick Saban talked about how uh, earlier on in his uh, career that he called Mac Jones uh, Johnny McEnroe because he's a guy that just loses his temper uh, after you know, he makes a mistake. Um, you know, he is a former tennis player, and I think during his tennis career, he was a guy that would throw his racket down and things like that. Um, I think Mac has matured more. He's not doing that as much. But, you know, on the road, facing a very talented defense and one that he hasn't faced in a live game um, ever, 
uh, at the college level. Uh, I want to see how he responds to maybe when he's knocked down the first time. Can he get back up and continue to lead this offense? I think he can. Uh, it's just something we haven't seen from him yet. So uh, that's the thing I'll be looking for the most. And, yeah, I think if this offensive line can uh, you know, give him time to throw, and, and they've been pretty good this year at, at keeping those guys upright. Um, I think if they maybe put in some uh, packages or some, some looks where you have the offensive lineman as tight ends and stuff, maybe as an extra blocker, um, yeah, I think that – they can do some things. I'm just it's it'll be interesting to see you know what they do with Mac because in the last game against Western Carolina we saw them kind of open things up a little bit more to where you know he's taking shots down the field instead of doing kind of chess passes on a chess sweep. So uh, I think they're just getting him more and more comfortable. But for me, it's it's I think he has the talent. Everybody knows that he's a capable player to go out there and get the job done. It's just when he does face the adversity of being on the road in that hostile environment facing that defense that Auburn has. What is he going to do in that spot? So that that's for me what I'll be looking forward to the most. You know, and we, we talk about the wide receivers maybe having a little extra juice and motivation this week. Now, I got to think a guy like Landon Dickerson, Deontay Brown, by the time the game kicks off on Saturday, they're going to be about sick and tired of hearing about Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson, aren't they? Alex Leatherwood, Jedrick Wills. Um, I, don't, I don't think these guys are going to back up from the challenge on Saturday. It's, it's obviously going to be a big one. You're talking about two of the very best defensive linemen in all of college football together on, on one unit. Um, but the, the mindset, the approach of this group, they don't always play perfect. You know, they get penalized a little bit. It seems like on a weekly basis, but I haven't questioned yet whether or not they felt like collectively that they could match up with just about any group in the country. No, they've been, they've been good this year. Um, you know, I've talked about you know, their sacks. They've only given up 11 in 11 games. That That's pretty good, uh, especially with a quarterback back there. Like two of that tends to try to go for the home run ball and, um, you know, will wait on things. So I, I think that's um, that's big for them is, is they've been good at protecting. And, um, you know, a guy like Derek Brown, he's very disruptive. He opens things up for uh, his teammates around it, but he doesn't just have a, a tremendous amount of, of sacks. His numbers don't jump off the pages with how what he does from a disruptive standpoint. I think keeping him in check will be, you um, be a, a big point of emphasis. And I think this offensive line can get the job done. Um, and just like Mac Jones with a guy like Landon Dickerson, we've seen him. Um, you know, with some extracurricular activity after the play, um, he was asked about that. He came up this week and. You know, Nick Saban has said this a bunch, and he echoed that, that they need to play with emotion and don't be emotional. And I think a lot of his things where he reacts to things is because he's playing too emotional. And he even said that that's something that he's been a liability with a couple of times this year. And uh, it takes it just from handling it personally and, um, you know, just doing a better job of that. So we'll see if he can break that habit. Um, you know, they've, they've had some holding calls and things like that. But, um I think this offensive line is, is capable, man. So it's a semifinalist for a, the Joe Moore Award as the best offensive line in the country. They've done a good job this year, especially since they've got this five uh, in in Leatherwood, Neal, Dickerson, um, Brown, and, and Wills. And, and guys like Jedrick Wills, um, you know, they live for matchups like this. I think Jedrick Wills is one of the, the unsung leaders on the team. Uh, he's a guy that kind of motivates that whole group. And, um, you know, he's a guy that's going to be probably blocking three and five a lot on Saturday. And so I, I think that, yeah, definitely with, with how much they've heard about this defensive line, uh, and how much everybody's kind of hyping them up in this matchup and how uh, they're going to make things hard for Mac Jones. I think certainly there's going to have some motivation for those big uglies up front. 
yeah, the more we talk about it, as much as the challenge is made more difficult without having by by not having Tua Tonga Vailoa in terms of a team feeling like it's got something to prove, Nick Saban's job should be even easier than it usually is in advance of a matchup with the Auburn Tigers in an Iron Bowl. It is Tide Talk on a Tuesday night. I'm Travis Schreier. He is Charlie Potter. Um, Charlie, we talk so much about the, the, the passing game because Alabama has been so electric, so dynamic in that, in that area the last couple of years. Um, but Najee Harris, right? I mean, you talk about an X factor in all this, and we saw it earlier in the year. A couple of backs actually have had some success against this Auburn defense. So when you look at what Najee brings to the table, both as a runner and a receiver, I don't know if you could point to a bigger X factor for Alabama, perhaps in the entire football game than the junior running back. No, you're, you're right. Um, and Najee's been playing really well. Um, he's a guy that has a rushing and receiving touchdown in each of the last three games. He's been contributing all over the field. And, um, you know, whenever he's on as a, um, a blocker, as a pass protector, he does a good job in that regard, too. He's given up a couple of plays uh, there, but I think that's a, a part of his game that he's still getting used to because you look at him in, in high school. Uh, that, that wasn't something he ever had to do. Najee's kind of like that Derrick Henry where you just give him the ball and let him go. And uh, Alabama's done that of late. They've kind of leaned on him a little bit, and um, yeah, they're reaping the benefits of it. He's a guy that's running harder and harder as the season goes on. He's getting more comfortable back there, getting that experience that he didn't have last year. And you know, he's a guy that kind of like the defense and, and other positions on the field. It takes him a little bit. Um, you know, he has to get used to you know what the, the the defense is doing and how the blocks are setting up when he reads that man he's been effective and you know, he, he's hard to tackle um a guy that's been kind of a media darling lately safety jared maiden probably described um Najee better than anyone has this year he called him a bucking bronco and the way that he runs and just so sporadic he is out there but effective uh i think that's pretty accurate and uh I think that they'll look for him to kind of run loud a little bit against Auburn. They would hope for that. And if, if Najee Harris has a big game Saturday in Jordan-Hare, it's going to be good news for Alabama uh, because I think that's going to open up things for Mac Jones in that passing game. So, yeah, X-Factor for sure, number 22. Takeaways defensively for Alabama, obviously a huge part of the storyline. And thank goodness for him, right, because this hasn't always been a defense that's gotten off the field in the traditional way via forcing punts. But one thing you can say about this defense, they have done a good job. Five more takeaways against Western Carolina last week. And, you know, when you talk about concern at the quarterback position, uh, you think that uh, a secondary, especially that's feeling it uh, after having a hand in all five of those takeaways last week, uh, you know, you, you think this Alabama defense against this Auburn offense can sort of keep that streak alive on Saturday? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, you, you look and, and Auburn doesn't have a very dynamic passing game. Um, you know, they're a team that uh, runs the ball first. But I think, you know, if, if you can you get some pressure up front with guys like Anthony Jennings and Terrell Lewis and maybe if Raekwon Davis can come alive in that aspect, that's going to create some, some poor decisions from the true freshmen. And, and guys like Xavier McKinney and Jared Maiden have been taking advantage of that. Um, you know, they they are the guys responsible for those five turnovers on Saturday. Um, and, and Xavier McKinney housed one of those picks. So, um, you know, when the the Western Carolina offense, you know, got anywhere near 
Alabama territory. It seemed like the defense came up with a with a turnover, and some of those were questionable on, on Western Carolina's part. But um, you know, there was also this very opportunistic defense to where um, you know as soon as they get the ball, they head toward the end zone, and that's kind of been the mo of these defenses of late. And this one's no different. Uh, I think a guy like Trayvon Diggs is probably also you know motivated for this game because he had a very bad game against LSU. I think everybody's aware of that. I think he's aware of that, and I think he would like to you know redeem himself a little bit with a, a strong performance in the iron bowl so uh i think you know we already talked about mckinney um he's probably a little pissed off that he wasn't uh, up for the thorpe award or anything like that because he has been alabama's most consistent player on the defensive side of the ball this year and uh, i think going against a an auburn offense that um you know, isn't what we've seen in, in past years under gus, gus malzahn uh, i think this defense if, if they can get some turnovers win that turnover margin i think it'll be good news for alabama yeah, I would I would think so, no doubt about that. And uh, ball hawking is uh, what what this secondary has been at times. I love Seth Williams as a player, the Paul Bryant High graduate from right here in the Tuscaloosa area. Uh, I think he's going to be a big part, obviously, of the Auburn passing attack uh, once again uh, at Jordan Hare Stadium on Saturday afternoon. But I really think the key is if you can make Bo Nick stand in there and have to make throws, especially beyond his first option, uh, he'll throw it to you. He'll throw it to you from time to time. Hey, Charlie, before we get out of here on Tide Talk on this Tuesday night, need to shift gears, get into some Alabama hoops. A couple of big three days coming up or so for Nate Oates and his team. And you talk about scheduling up. You know, these things are set a couple of years in advance. So this was supposed to be Avery Johnson taking his team to the Bahamas. Instead, Nate Oates in his first season gets a taste of the North Carolina Tar Heels on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, not exactly a bowl of cherries beyond that either. When you look at Alabama's side of the bracket, Charlie. No, it's a loaded field. Um, you know, there's four teams ranked in the top, 15 in the AP poll and uh, at the top of that list is North Carolina who Alabama gets uh, tomorrow and uh, you know Nate Oates I mean, we talked to him Friday they left for the Bahamas on on Monday morning and um, you're know, doing some community service type things down there and they'll obviously celebrate the Thanksgiving holiday in the Bahamas but you know he was kind of talking about this and he he thinks that um you know, games like this are good, that tournaments like this are good. They're obviously playing in Maui uh, next year, too, so they're going to have another opportunity uh, in 2020. But uh, I think he would have liked to see Alabama maybe schedule um, not quite as hard around this tournament. Um, you know, they're 2-2 two and two right now. They've, they face some quality opponents to open the season. Uh, you know, a road trip to Rhode Island, I think, is something that he wished wouldn't have been on the schedule. Uh, I think he wishes he could have that pin game back. But, um, you know, this is an opportunity for – for Alabama to, to learn more about itself, um, he said it multiple times, he would rather get exposed in the non-conference than go into SEC play uh, with a great record and just kind of lay an egg and um, you know have the wheels kind of fall off during that. So I think it'll be another you know learning experience for Alabama. Uh, I don't think many people are expecting them to beat a North Carolina, but um, you know the 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 next game on Thanksgiving, I think if they lose, they'll probably play about 5:30. Uh, in the evening, they'll play the the loser of the Michigan-Iowa State game. And I think that'll be a, an even bigger benchmark for Alabama just to see where it stacks up with another Power 5 team that, that isn't ranked. And uh, you know, if they could come out of this 2-1, and one, I think they would be over the moon about that. 
Um, you know, maybe one and two is more realistic. I think if they came out 0 and three, um, you know, Nate Oates would be in a very foul mood. But um, you know, playing in these kind of events, um, I think it, it's it's beneficial for the players. I think they enjoy doing things like that. They get to go to a country most of them have never been to. But um, yeah, it's it's a it's a tough draw. I mean, you get North Carolina in the first game, and it'll be a, it'll be a fun one to watch just because you have Kyra Lewis matched up with Cole Anthony for for most of that game. Um, I'm sure that Alabama will try to get Herb Jones and him in, in a few of those situations, but um, it, it'll be a, it'll be a tough matchup for Lewis and, and the Crimson Tide, no doubt. Yeah, the schedule eases up a little bit for Alabama after coming back from the Bahamas, but not as much as you might think because Stephen F. Austin pays a visit to Coleman Coliseum uh, a week from this Friday, December the 6th, that Friday night. Stephen F. Austin will be in town. And while we're recording this podcast on Tuesday night, Stephen F. Austin taking the top-ranked Duke Blue Devils to the wire at Cameron Indoor on Tuesday night. So, you know, even with Stephen F. Austin rolling around, that won't be an easy game for this Alabama team. Then you go on the road to Penn State. Um, and then you get into some of the, the Birmingham-Huntsville stuff with Samford and Birmingham, Belmont and Huntsville. Richmond is a very, very solid mid-major. Traditionally, that's been the case. And then you roll right into SEC play with a road trip to Florida on January the 4th. So um, nothing easy, nothing easy about this uh, inaugural campaign for Nate Oates as the head men's basketball coach at the University of Alabama. Well, Charlie, I think we about got it covered on this Tuesday night. Anything else you want to add? I know we've got uh, continuing coverage, obviously, of Iron Bowl week. Uh, uh, but uh, what about Thanksgiving plans? You going to be able to get home for a little bit, Charlie? Maybe enjoy Thursday and then right back into to Iron Bowl mode. Yeah, I'm going to go up to Boaz on on Thursday. Um, I'm sure the the basketball game will be on. Like I said, if they lose, and um, you know, I I hate it if, if Nate is listening, but I don't think many people believe that they're going to go and beat Carolina in that first game. So they'll probably be playing about 5:30. But yeah, just enjoying dinner. Uh, at the parents' house with the family, and um, I'll be heading back to Tuscaloosa that night and resting up and heading to Auburn on Saturday morning. You know, I'm going to go ahead and start the campaign that at the Boaz City Limits, they need to go ahead and add hometown of BamaOnline.com's Charlie Potter. What do you think of that, Charlie? We, uh, you think they're ready for that up there in Boaz? I don't know. There's, there's been some, <laughs> <laughs> there's been some decent the, what? people. Well, all right, give them to us. Give us the, the, the Boaz Hall of Fame. Give it to us. I mean, I can give you Jacksonville. Jacksonville, Florida, it's Leonard Skinner. That's all you need to know. Well, give me Boaz, the uh, the uh, pantheon of, of greats uh, that come from Boaz. Yeah, just off the top of my head, um, A.J. Milwee, who's an analyst at Alabama. There you right go. There you He's go. a guy that led, Al, led Boaz to the – Deep in the playoffs, he was very successful at UNA as a quarterback and, and was an offensive coordinator at Akron. Um, uh, Jeremy Hayes, he played at Alabama um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the basketball team. And then probably me, I guess. I don't know. Right there. <laughs> right there. The Rushmore of Boaz. you got to have Charlie Potter on that, no doubt about it. Hey, Charlie, have a great holiday, my man. And uh, we'll do it again next week. All right, man. Happy Thanksgiving. And thank you for joining us. And we hope certainly that all of you out there have a safe and joyous holiday coming up. Uh, Keep it locked 
to BamaOnline.com. We'll continue to have you covered uh, throughout the week, uh, both from a team perspective, both football, basketball. Recruiting is 24-7, literally, at 247sports.com. So plenty coming up as we move throughout the week at BamaOnline.com. Thanks a lot. Talk to you again next week.